This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We're still on 0861-987-000. And this is where we welcome Chlori into the conversation this morning. Chlori, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, happy Monday. Yeah. Uh, a pleasure as always. Uh, happy uh, Valentine's Week for those <laughs> that will be having their uh, bank balances uh, depleted come Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Good to be here as always. Yeah, no, it's lovely to have you on. So, yeah, love is in the air. It's that week of love, the oh, month yes. of love. So, it's a beautiful one. And, uh, yeah, we're hoping that uh, you at home, you're looking forward to uh, what's going to happen this week as we set you off uh, so nicely. Unfortunately, on the agenda, I don't see anything uh, Valentine's related, uh, but we'll just mention it. We've started, all right? Uh, yes. Wednesday, all eyes will be on the red and white. Uh, this being... <laughs> <laughs> Colors of love and that will be playing out. Uh, so we're hoping that you uh, go out there celebrating, you celebrate also uh, safely. But yeah. uh, one team that is celebrating uh, this morning, Chlori, is Ivory Coast after having beat Nigeria uh, there in the finals of the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, so we see them uh, pushing uh, through, uh, you know, in an unconventional way. Yeah. Uh, this is what, uh, you know, our previous callers also mentioned to say uh, they've managed to really really sailed through into uh, the finals here uh, as the host nation also coming out uh, victorious. Uh, also, really, when you look at it, uh, we saw South Africa uh, pushing to get uh, to that third uh, spot uh, in yeah. terms of uh, this particular tournament. So we, we claimed that uh, third uh, spot, uh, but then we see Ron Ron Williams really being the hero again as Bafana Bafana uh, beat the Democratic Republic of Congo on penalties uh, to claim uh, the AFCON bronze. What happened here? In Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, what a valiant effort uh, from Bafana Bafana. What a valiant effort from a team that had long been written off by the country, a team that had long been, especially as far as our national teams are concerned, a team that had really just stopped um, being able to ignite any sense of hope or any sense of passion from the country, but really as we saw their exploits uh, in this week, in this couple of weeks really, yeah. in this uh, African Cup of Nations, um, what many are terming to be one of the best ones that have been hosted and certainly that have taken place in quite some time in recent history. Uh, Bafana Bafana did something that I think at the time, if you had to look at them two years ago and you had to ask any member of the country, did you believe that they could do it? They would have probably laughed at you and told you, don't even have time to waste watching uh, their games. But here they are uh, following that uh, unpleasant uh, stinging uh, defeat to Nigeria. We found ourselves in the third and fourth place uh, playoff uh. of the competition and we finished on a high to claim third place and the bronze having defeated the democratic republic of congo six five 
in penalties. So the match, of course, finished goalless after 90 minutes. And then uh, from that, uh. there was the establishment of some level of force or dominance by the Leopards, um, which is, of course, the team of the DRC. Uh, but it still lacked a little something that would have been able to make it worthwhile. It was in the it was in that gameplay that Ronwin Williams then saved two crucial penalties uh, to give us the win and continued his job really as what would be certainly one of the most outstanding performances of the actual tournament but certainly being the standout star player uh, for our team for the country as a whole and really someone whose stock i think in terms of general public perception and popularity has certainly or with these exploits have certainly grown and this is someone who we can really perceive to be um a rising star now of course he is a little as far as soccer age is concerned he Mm -hmm. is a little on the older side being 32 uh, but it's still probable and possible for him to be a rising star as certainly his Mm -hmm. exploits have really just been amazing he has shown a whole lot of growth and just to speak to that, I mean, having saved those penalties, we remember what he did uh, to get us to the actual semi-final, uh, what he did in the quarter-final, uh, the, the round of 16. And as a whole, he actually completed uh, in the entire game, uh, the entire tournament, really, five clean sheets in seven matches. So that's really an interesting and a very worthwhile and uh. remarkable feat. But I think more than anything, what this really has shown is Bafana have been able to make us believe in them. And what we saw in this tournament really from, you know, the first game and with the progression thereof really established and reignited a sense of hope and i think it came from this aspect of them themselves having a sense of hope and purpose believing that you know what we can actively do this and i think that reignited it and of course there's 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 been thoughts in and around well Uh, is it possible uh is the problem them or us Uh, and yes perhaps as a nation (laughs) uh we 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 threw in the towel uh as far as they were concerned and was never really out of the sense that they were losing because you know a national team can lose and the support can still uh be rife but it was this belief that they don't play or they don't fight uh they don't play as though they're a national team and so what has really come from this and the exploits of this was that re-ignition of, of that sense of passion and pride that many, especially a nation such as ourselves, really puts on all our national teams this essence of fighting for the badge that's on your chest you know that's on the front of that jersey 
and so they've really reignited that and i think from that uh despite whatever exploits that may come whatever the results that may be if they continuously show this effort i do believe that bafana bafana and the south african uh, population will have a good relationship as opposed to that uh, love hate uh, but proportional hate relationship that used to be there look uh, they they played so well like uh, yeah. remarkable uh, you said they had been written off and i really agree with you in terms of how then towards the end there was even a debate of, of those that are fake <laughs> supporters <laughs> of bafana <laughs> uh, you know those that are now coming out to try by all means to uh, look like the team bafana there was this huge debate yeah. uh, there by x uh, and it, it was so interesting to uh, mm-hmm. to watch uh, but uh, you're right i mean uh, really uh, Ron when Williams uh, will be one name that rings uh, within this particular Afcon uh, a star, you know, yeah. in his own accord. When you look at it, a lot of people saying uh, he deserves the golden glove. Uh, when you look at what has been happening there, the uh, you know goalkeeper of the season, uh, others even saying that uh, he deserves whatever endorsements uh, that follow him. Uh, looking at how uh, you know uh, splendid uh, his performance was in uh, even uh, this particular final match here, mm-hmm. uh, really proving uh, that he will come through and come through and come through uh, for Bafana Bafana in this particular regard. Uh, really uh, congratulations are in order. I see Cariso from Soweto wants to also talk about our uh, you know performance there at AFCON. Uh, let's speak to Cariso and then when we come back we'll go into more of the stories that we have on the agenda this morning with Tlohi. Cariso uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi good day. How are you? Uh, sharp, sharp. How are you doing? No no I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah but that's what I mean, that one. Mm. Fair enough, but I don't like like that sentiment or like by the penalty all the time because we, we, we don't see like goals, that one. Mm. Irrespective for like maybe um, but 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 they tried, they've tried their best. That one. So for them, you, like, to, you would to, want uh, them to uh, go for a straight win? Uh, no, 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 no. Rowan can help us. I mean, he was there. I saw it. Mm. Yeah, I get, I get you're saying what in the penalties, uh, you know, we should always push to make sure that uh, you know we don't end there got the penalty, Akaliso. Yeah, no, 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 no. Fair enough, but I get an rebuttal when I go based on like the players themselves. Mm. But I'm just saying, like what they did. Not enough for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy because I watched the game like holistically. So you get my point. But I'm just saying, more like. For them, like to get like a, a third place, mm. there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Up, like, do, you, do you think we need to rally uh, behind them and go welcome them uh, when they're coming back? Uh, they go 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 or tambo Gariso? No, I don't have money. No, no it's not I about money. I'm Maybe just saying, you, in you terms go. of the spirit of, you know, yeah, you know, do like oh. like rugby, yes, <laughs> yes okay. something so. like that. Because I get him. No, 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 they did well. They did well. Like, I, I can rally for them, but if I can... I wouldn't mind. But I'm just saying, more like, irrespective of what, but I want to but 
No, no, no. Audacium. Audacium. That's my assumption. Yeah, no, they really did us proud. No, they were, like, they, no, they were lucky. They were lucky, particularly when ah, They were not lucky. Fought. They did well. They were not no, lucky. They, they played well. No, let me say How? something. They fought. They fought. Oh, I was saying, I mean, no, Kariso. No. Kariso. Kissens, Kissens. Kissens. No, 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 no. They played to the best of their abilities. Let me tell you something. I'm very, very, very proud of them. Because now I'm not DSTV in Chalkal. So I'm like radio all the time. Like I used to listen on the radio. But irrespective for the like uh um after they, they, they left but I'm saying what like whatever like transpired like in terms of the tournament, it was a good tournament. We really fought. Kariso, I have to let you go. Thank you very much, okay, Mona, you, for the call. Kariso calling us there uh, from Atladi uh, in Soweto. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've made us proud. I think we should, uh, you know, regardless of us not having transport money or something, uh, go out in our numbers to uh, support them, uh, looking at the fact that they really did us proud. No, undoubtedly. So mm. I think uh, it's, it's, it's really about, you know, it's a it's about the process. It's about the building. You know, uh-huh. if you take any story, even the Springboks, uh, we won in '95, won in 2007. That's great. After 2007, there was a lull period in our uh-huh. rugby, um, and of course, at the time, there was the continuous uh, structural inadequacies, and you know the the tension that came between sporting institutions and bodies, our national sporting bodies uh-huh. and our government. You know the implementation of uh, quota systems and. All all those other things that now started, you know, taking over uh, and the need to, to, to redress and, you know, be able and transformation and all those things and how those were then politicized. And, you know, those became very contentious issues. Then you come into our form, come into the 2015 uh, Rugby World Cup and uh, we did not do as we would have wanted. We placed third, but we were playing a different type of rugby. Uh, You look at Cricket South Africa and our exploits there, both uh, in tournaments, but also what was happening structurally and what continues to slightly be plaguing uh, the cricket uh, body. And then you look at our 2019, we came back when we weren't anticipated to be the winners of the World Cup. We came back and did uh, the unexpected. And then come 2023, in the midst of all of that, you know, Rassi Erasmus, Apoensia Colisi, and that was, of course, seen as a, uh, why are you appointing this black person? He's just pandering to the government, all those other things. But the point is this. Even if we did not win that World Cup, and because technically we weren't, uh, from a statistical and a, you know, every other type of aspect, we weren't meant to in 2019. Uh. The aim was always for 2023. But hey, look at what we did back to back. But the point is, when you look at what led to that, what was... Uh, you know, what was the build, what were the building factors towards this thing? Uh, uh, because let's be very honest, uh, a number of people only started paying attention to rugby in this specific World Cup. If you had to really uh, measure it on average, I think the support, the trending, the all these other things uh, based on our victory in 2019 and 2023, the uh, 2019's victory probably lags a little behind 
to the hype that came with 2023, but it speaks to what the overall improvement of the system of the sport it became now uh, this thing that what once was a symbol of uh, oppression and uh, what was a symbol of, of 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 segregation and our deep divided history was now something that was once again used to unify a certain level of uh, camaraderie with, or bring about a certain level of camaraderie within the the nation but the overall thing is looking at the structural uh-huh. improvements and now what comes from this is we now have a team as far as Bafana is concerned that has the desire that can possibly win now it's about how do we then use the rugby model to be able to now because uh, it's not just about Bafana. And the, yeah. the, the, the problems around football in South Africa are not just around the national team. It's a structural thing. You know, what is the, uh, you know, the governing body of uh, football doing in terms of development, in terms of training, in terms of all these other things. So you then come to realize that now it's about, and what it continues to be about is how does then SAFA do what needs to be done to further then put the necessary work and you know put in the necessary efforts to improve both the exploits of this national team of uh, the women's national team and so many other things so it's it's about supporting uh, you know whether or not and obviously not necessarily uh, trying to, to 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 be insensitive or anything of the sort but it's about supporting it's about uh, those in the footballing fraternity to be able to say uh, this is what they have done how do we then put and put uh-huh. our money and our backing uh, on this team and what does that look like so it's a collective effort and it can only be driven by how we also respond so even with the third place i think oh, yeah. based on their exploits let's go to the airport let's meet them let yeah. them have a uh, parade around uh, the, the, the country just to be able to say this is who we are and this is what we seek to do for you as a country and how we most definitely, man. I, I, I'm just looking forward to them coming home. They did us so proud. Ronwin Williams also coming out yeah. as one of the victorious winners, stars of this particular tournament. So it shows you that South Africa is one country that has its eyes there on the global yes. stages on big wins. And we're hoping that also in the year 2024, uh, we see most of those cups, uh, trophies and everything in between uh, coming back home as we bag uh, some of these uh, victories. I want us yeah. to move, Chori, uh, you know, and move into the political space. We saw the Economic Freedom Fighters uh, there in Moses Mabida, uh, there by the stadium over the weekend in Kwazulu yeah. Natan. Uh, this was uh, for uh, the 2024 uh, manifesto launch. Really, when you look at it, all eyes were on uh, this particular party, uh, looking at the fact that they are the third uh, biggest party, uh, political party, uh, that yeah. being here in South Africa, uh, the second biggest opposition to uh, the ANC uh, within uh, the country. And a lot of people have been looking and tracking at their growth over time and they had to really fit into or, or feed into uh, everything else that has been happening at uh, these promises around their seven cardinal pillars uh, let us in on what happened there in KZN over the weekend oh and so the 
I don't know, do we call it a political circus or <laughs> what you want to call it? But really, the, yeah. the, 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 the games have proverbially begun as far as our political party uh, participation and uh, coverage uh, has begun as the EFF, the third largest political party in Mm. South Africa uh, and the third largest, might I add, uh, with uh, not so many years of existence, which is is a feat that we should never, ever forget when Mm. you actually look off their trajectory and their growth, uh, whether you love, whether you hate them, that is something that can never be denied. Uh, So they had their manifesto launch for their 2024 election campaign, of course, headlined by uh, the speech and, uh, you know, the the, the outlining of the campaign by the commander-in-chief, the leader of the party, uh, Julius Silomaleman, of course, them deciding to do this in KZN. Now, obviously, this was and this is a strategic, uh, this was, of course, a strategic implementation or a strategic decision to be able to host in KZN, which has not necessarily been a a space or a province in which uh, the party has actively Uh uh, made strides as they usually would have Uh nationally and in other provinces. For example, we do know that in the um, Bumalanga Provincial Legislature, they are the official opposition. So KZN has not really been a province in which they have made uh, those necessary strides. Of course, we understand excuse me, understanding the... The whole political the, dynamics. The, the dynamics of, of, uh, uh, yeah. of KZN. I mean, this IFP that you're contending with, yes. uh, this ANC that you're contending with, yes. now this MK that you're contending with, the DA of Chris Pappas, exactly. uh, they also want their fair share exactly. of uh, that electoral, uh, you know, bite in terms of what exactly. has been happening over time in KZN. So it was going to be a tough one for it the EFF. always going to be a tough one, and it's not an easy feat mm. at all. Uh, especially when you consider, and and, and let's be very honest, uh, uh, every province has its dynamics, but Mm. KZN's dynamics are very (laughs) cultural and very traditional. And so uh, the expectation and the the makeup thereof would obviously be Mm. such that there haven't been enough uh, people who are from from the province specifically to be able to really make it that uh, the EFF would make the necessary strides. And so uh, them doing what they did was really strategic and was this showing as well. It was a very massive showing before we even get into all these other things. Mm. It was a massive showing of their boldness and, and, yeah. and that sense yeah. of you know we go for gold yeah. or nothing at all and 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 that is a strategy at times that uh, it works for them it might not necessarily work for other political parties because you don't necessarily want to present this bravado but for the EFF it works and I mean the results speak uh, for itself uh, the ongoing uh, squabbles between uh, party leader Julius Malema and uh, you know former radio presenter uh, there were those threats around those things and 
but it, it it's been something that's been able yeah. to really be substantial and so with this came then the discussions around or really the presentation of what the party is able to bring and what yeah. the party seeks to do and of course as we know unemployment uh, corruption as well as load shedding are obviously all the words land. that we will call land as well yeah. those are all the things that will certainly yeah. be on the uh, in the lexicon of 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 of, of manifestos for not just the EFF but really all other political uh, parties and some of the things that really came out from this was the yeah. sharing by party leader Julius Malema that uh, this belief really this assertion that the party is the only uh, organization uh, that has no tolerance for mediocrity corruption and laziness and I guess one might be able to say, oh, well, any party can say that, but we've seen with uh, certain reports, and really I think this is the ability of uh, Malim and the EFF to be able to show, but I guess when you don't necessarily, one can argue that when you don't have to govern at times, you're able to do this, but we know how 18 officials were were axed, were removed from mm. the party for their failure to be able to organize, organize yeah. uh, the necessary logistics and transportation for the 10th year uh, anniversary celebration. Uh, the, the the constant, you know, the, 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 the constant uh, committees of the party that a number of uh, their members uh, undergo or answer to in the event that they are found wanting. So yeah. this is a assertion that might some might say well it's regular political speak but when you look at what has occurred it's 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 it's, it's, it's you know it's a tick in the right box but beyond that he really declared 2024 as a go big or go home uh, for him the EFF is going into the elections this year with the intention of winning now, of course, we can now look at, you know, a number of things in terms of trying to analyze, is there really practicality or truth? But it's the speak, it's the political uh. speak. Every party is, is, is always said that they are a government yes. in waiting. Yes. And one yes. thing that I can always give it up to them for would be the fact that they don't compromise on what they've introduced themselves as yes. when they came into the political space. I mean, this is why then also over the weekend, we saw the ATM, the PAC also there on the ground with the EFF at the stadium, uh, you know, endorsing and uh, congratulating and saying that this should be uh, some sort of an, a new order on how things are supposed to expected to go, uh, where they are calling for unity of like-minded organizations, uh, you know, more or less lauding the EFF uh, for being able to really push through yeah. in really ensuring that they get the numbers uh, in where they are, ten-year-old organization, uh, just ba basically chining its way as the third, the third biggest party uh, in South Africa uh, right now, and 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 we see them still, uh, you know, more or less railing behind uh, the fact that they would want to be the change that South Africa has been waiting for over time. Mm -hmm. As they say, they are a government in waiting. They're still saying that, uh, you know, if you are saying that you have freedom, but you don't have economic empowerment and economic freedom, yeah. and then you're not truly liberated. And we see that uh, resonating with a lot of young people that would then find themselves blaming the government of uh, the day. Um, a lot of Tinsua laws, mm -hmm. uh, 
that uh, would then say that <laughs> it's not yet Uhuru uh, when you look at where we find ourselves yeah. right now. Undoubtedly so. And I think it is that resonance or what they are able to do and mm. that speech and that rhetoric that really it's resonates. It's the land, you know what uh, I mean? Mm. That, 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 that notion of, okay, it's all good and well. And I think this is what works so well for mm. them is the, all right, cool. You, we're free, we've got these things, but what does that look like? And I think yeah. that frustration and, and, and the good thing is, you know, when you're in that space, the political space, uh, you, the words that you speak are often what will determine, you know, the, the, the level of support that you get, but how you articulate and how you present those things uh, are what will determine whether you made or break or broken. Yeah. And, from that, uh, it, it is this growing uh, rhetoric of theirs of what does freedom actually look like? Uh, is it the ability to merely cast a vote or is it really about self-determination and preservation? And how do you do that if you're not actively participating in the economy uh, and if you don't have the liberty to be able to do that? And that really uh, touches a nerve for a number of Tinsualos uh, who would certainly have been, you know, on the other side uh, of 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 Tinsualo uh, one's uh, constant, uh, you know, uh, uh, experience, and so that has really presented them as a party as an alternative because yeah. there's an ideological basis. And certainly, I mean, let, let, let's be very honest with ourselves. The general premise around all opposition political parties is that, no, we are not corrupt and we must remove <laughs> the ANC. But when you take the time to actively look at what some might, mm -hmm. and this is now in reference to, I'm, I'm, I'm really referring to the, ones that are currently in the National Assembly with not necessarily wanting to focus on those that are vying to get into, but those that are currently in the National Assembly, none ideologically, uh, you know, save one or two, have differing aspects or beliefs. Uh, and so it becomes difficult to realize what is it? So they, they, they stand as that alternative voice. And I mean, some of the things that really came out of this manifesto launch as they really try to present themselves as a people of action, as a people of, as you say, a government in waiting. Yeah. Uh, they, of course, uh, promised to end load shedding uh, within six months of coming into power, uh, creating nine million jobs as a consequence of no longer having uh, these rolling blackouts. Uh, one of the things that he spoke to, especially with regards to uh, the region of KwaZulu-Natal specifically, uh, the Red Berets uh, would say that in their ascendance to power and coming into uh, government uh, for KZN specifically, you would be expected uh, or you would anticipate an annual raid in your home in search yeah. of illegal guns. Um Beyond that, what we gather and certainly what really bodes well for them is there hasn't really been much deviation from their initial thoughts. Yeah. The seven cardinal points and who they are, 2019's 
manifesto still the same still the it's same, just yeah. you know more nuanced mm-hmm. to what is happening currently yeah. and i think from a consistency perspective that 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 bodes well for a voter that's not decided not knowing what it is that they want or who it is that they want to be able to elect and vote for uh, who they want to represent them this is really a situation where if you look and if you decide to actively engage and say okay so this is what they say in 2024 this is what they said in 2019 i can i, I can align with them then you're good uh and this is not an endorsement in any way, but this is really saying if you're undecided, but you look at the yeah. fact that there's a consistency because, yes, politics is about what's happening at that moment. But yeah. if there are still that fo- those foundational consistencies, then that is something that bodes well for them as a party uh, for the necessary uh, endorsement and the necessary of the public, but also the necessary, um, you know, the necessary affirmation of getting voted for especially for those that would form part of the electorate that are still at this point undecided as to who they would want so really a a, a strong showing uh, by the red berets and one thing about them excuse me is that if they seek to mobilize they will and they will certainly be big and in our faces one of the things that will assist them coming off of the last set of uh, SRC elections across yeah. a number of uh, tertiary institutions in the country. Uh, they literally did quite a clean sweep uh-huh. in a number of uh, tertiary institutions. So from a mobilization and a youth uh, advocacy perspective, they really have a one-up. So it will be True. very interesting to see what comes from this all but certainly the red berets have really said game set match (laughs) and they are ready to go it's on Uh, it really when you look at uh, the 2024 uh, general elections uh, we saw uh, last week uh, the presidency spokesperson vincent maguena saying that the president has about what 15 days uh, to pronounce on the date of the elections Uh, so we'll wait and see uh, what happens then but then uh, slowly but surely we see a lot of these parties uh, giving us a sense of what's on offer uh, from uh, their end uh, where uh, these particular elections are concerned i mean when you're talking about tertiary you reminded me of I think it was in 2019 mm. uh, when the EFF made a promise that they were they were going to build a university. Uh, they also said they were going to build a school and name it after a school for the poor and name it after Mama Winima Dikizela Mandela. Uh, they gave themselves five years, so I was counting down 2019. Uh, this is 2024. Uh, five years later, uh, maybe these are some of the things that uh, you know when we say uh, they have been consistent in terms of their seven cardinal pillars. Mm. Uh, some of the promises and pronouncements here uh, will have to more or less read between their lines and take them on uh, when it's necessary uh, to do so over what they've promised to uh, the electorate. But really uh, coming out here uh, with ambitious timelines as well, uh, when you look at where 
they find themselves in terms of ending load, load shedding yeah. within six months. This has been, what, a 10-year uh, crisis that we found ourselves in, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so they want to end it within six months. They're talking about jobs. They're talking about land now. And, uh, you know, one when reading into it, I can say the government has been also just pushing its own goals here. Uh, when you look at the developments within uh, the country, we find, uh, you know, in the weekend uh, that the EFF is launching its manifesto. Uh, the country thrusted into stage six of load shedding. And uh, this is something that, you know, was really unprecedented uh, when you look at the fact that uh, the president just a couple of days earlier had said that uh, the end to load shedding was uh, within thin reach. So it really doesn't look like and inspire any confidence to say that we've got control of what has been happening. We are stabilizing uh, the grid and then yeah. this would work uh, to see then a lot of these particular sectors of the economy are safeguarded here. Uh, we see it now hovering on stage five of load shedding. Uh, the Minister of Electricity is saying that by Wednesday, uh, we should be on stage four of load shedding and that this work that has been done, it's really hard uh, to believe uh, more or less what they say nowadays uh, when you look at the fact that when uh, one would say this and then the following day, uh, something totally different happens here. Oh, yes. Uh, undoubtedly so and I really think for the first time in a long time uh, governance just general governance is going to be what uh, a lot of political parties will certainly use against uh, our our, our uh, ruling party and it really does look as you rightfully say as a number of own goals uh, we literally had the state of the nation on thursday literally has no literally at its conclusion we went to stage three stage four how before friday ends stage six how when did we get here and, and 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 those are the realities that we face those are the challenges that we face and Ironically enough, in a conversation uh, with my family over this past weekend, um, you know, the, the usual Sunday setup, and everyone was like, oh, load shedding in my areas at this time, load shedding at my areas at this time. And it was then said uh, by my aunt that, you see, the moment we actively start having conversations around this notion of it was at this time or it's at this time i have to we're normalizing it and that's what we've been able to do now we're normalizing this notion of not having power basic necessity as it's as if it's something that's okay and it's that frustration of normalizing something that isn't normal uh that really is is, is leaving so many people disgruntled so many uh, people uh frustrated around uh, this 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 load shedding aspect of things and when you come to realize that oh it it becomes so normal that the fluctuation is it's not it's not bothersome anymore it's like oh the lights went out here we go again one of those you know it's like normalized the normalizing of the inconveniences that come with load shedding yeah it honestly cannot be and when you think about it if you now in a 24-hour day spend eight hours uh, probably even 10 or 12 
without uh, power. You're a small or medium uh, enterprise. You're, 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 you're self-employed. You're trying to do all these things. That's productivity out the window. That is money out the window. And how you can continuously justify is really it's problematic because now we're at a space where there is a direct result in this affecting livelihood, affecting the ability to, 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 to make an income, the ability to actually live and fend for yourself. And that then really presents the fact that this isn't a crisis like this is literally a pandemic on its own and uh, us not being able to have stable power supply is a pandemic because it really threatens the very existence and livelihoods of people so at this point in time uh, we just wait with bated breath Radhaba, uh, we're hoping maybe if Bafana are coming back sometime this week, uh, that uh, you know it will it will come with that level of uh, that level of reprieve. Uh, we're hoping because it's Valentine's Day, but it's also for for the Christian faith. It's Ash Wednesday uh, yeah. on the fourteenth, so maybe just maybe Eskom will give up for Lent, uh, taking our power away. We don't know, but yeah, we can hope anyway. <laughs> you can never run it past them, right? You can never, 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 never say never yeah. in uh, this particular country. Yeah. But uh, it's a lot, uh, you know. Uh, I love the fact that uh, you picked it up uh, that slowly but surely it's like we, we are normalizing uh, where we find ourselves. But it's there so was normal. a sense of hope in what President Sarah Ramaphosa said, uh, hoping that, you know, that uh, will be something that we see uh, just play out his government plans and uh, you know works around these programs yeah. around the year uh, 2024 it's an election year and one would expect for things to really play out differently especially where uh, this electricity crisis is concerned uh, own goals upon own goals upon own goals because South Africans are really angry and then you often hear in their rhetoric story when they mm. say that uh, you know hi I know you know what I mean? Even even now on the open line, I think one of the callers said, ah, you know, we'll see them at the polls. Yeah. So you don't want that, uh, you know, as uh, the ruling party. You'll try by all means to block all of these inconveniences, maybe mm-hmm. after the elections. Uh, but uh, this time around, I hear, man, the cracks are just cranking. It just, whew, it, it's a lot. It's it, a lot. It's really, really a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but we see political parties really positioning themselves to be uh, the alternatives. Just a reminder uh, to you at home that uh, between now 1.30 and 2 o'clock uh, we'll bring in Tobani Zikalala who will go with us at length uh, looking into uh, the EFF uh, manifesto or launch. Uh, Sorry, uh, thank you very much, man, for uh, coming through. It's always lovely starting the day with you. Thank you so much. The pleasure is always mine uh, for us to be able to just, you know, partake in this, uh, to be able to learn, to be able to feed off and really just take the time, even in the midst of frustration, to find uh, the joys because really and truly it goes without saying and now more than ever, especially because of what this year means, uh, this place is still, we wouldn't be having these conversations. We wouldn't 
uh, you know, joke about them and 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 and, and cry and, and and want to bash tables if we didn't believe it uh, that this place, our country, is a beautiful place and it is uh, worth fighting for. And so we have to keep that fight going because if we don't, and uh, no one will. So let's keep the good fight going. But a pleasure as always. Thank you so very much. You know, it's always lovely uh, to have you on. Uh, let's uh, follow Tlohi uh, there on social media. Uh, he goes by at LRK underscore Musue. Uh, let's follow him there by X. But uh, let's do it again. Bright and early Tlohi on a Monday morning. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.